0: I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times best-selling author of Take the Stairs.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode on the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is AJ Vaden. I am one of your co-hosts here, and I get the honor and the privilege of getting to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Erin Hatsikosis. You're going to get to learn all about her in just a few minutes and some really cool stuff that she's got going on. And I will give her a formal introduction, but for all of you listening, I want you to know why you need to stick around and listen to this episode. You know, we have had many guests on in the past that talk about research. And today we're gonna talk about not just research, but how research impacts you in your business right now, today. We're going to be talking about the research on authenticity in the workplace. So to me, it does not matter if you're an employee, an employer, if you are a solopreneur, entrepreneur, or anything in between, like this impacts you. Right. We've heard it said before that data is the real unique differentiator in the marketplace today. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big proponent in that. It's like data is the differentiator. And Aaron has gone out and done this amazing study on authenticity in the workplace. And I think that there's some really interesting talk right now about the workplace and, you know, what they've been calling the great resignation. And I don't really know if that's the right term, right? I don't know if that's the right term. I love what Ariana Huffington says. It's not the great resignation, it's the great reevaluation. And I think looking at authenticity in the workplace and what does that even mean and how does it impact our employees, our employers, and the companies at large is a really important discussion to have. So again, it doesn't matter if you are a staff of zero or a staff of 1,000. This interview, this research, this does pertain to you. So I hope you stick around I make it all the way to the end because also Aaron's going to give you a really cool link to download this data to help you take that back to your everyday business. So without further ado, I'll give you just a quick highlight. But Aaron Hatsikostas is a former corporate CEO turned professional Pot steerer in her own words. She is also the founder and CEO of Be Authentic Inc. and is a best selling author. She's a TEDx speaker, she's a podcast host, and a, what she calls a coach sultan. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. But she's also the leader of the recent national research study, The Impact of Authenticity in the Workplace. But I can also attest that she is a hilarious human being. She is an action taker. She is an amazing human being. She's a mom. She's an entrepreneur. She's all these amazing things, which is why I love her and why I invited her on the show. So Erin, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. And like most people, I have such a girl crush on you, AJ. So it's so good to be here and jam out for a little bit. I have you all to myself, slash, you know, share you with thousands of people.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I really love having conversations with friends more than anything else because. I get to bring in like some of like the behind the scenes context of what makes you so awesome as a human being. And you don't always get to do that when you have you know a quote unquote complete stranger on. So it's really always a treat when I get to I have a friend on the show and talk about all the cool things you have going on, but then also just to help the audience get to know the awesomeness that is, you know, these amazing people that we get to do life with. So I'm so excited. And so in an effort to help our audience get to know you just a little bit, can you give everyone... A brief backstory of kind of how you got to where you are, right, from, you know, you've been a big corporate CEO, and you've led teams of thousands of humans, and you've worked for really big corporations, and you've now been on the other side as a speaker and an entrepreneur and an author. Like, we didn't even have that in your bio. You're the author of this awesome book, and you've got all these cool things going on, but those are, like, two pretty different lives, And so it'd be awesome to hear, like, give us some context and some background of like this, you know, quote unquote, former life as this corporate CEO, why the shift? And how did you end up here talking about authenticity in the workplace?
2: I'd love to. And the first thing I have to say though, is, you know, quick story. My son, about six months ago, he was just like making a bagel in the kitchen. And he's like, mom, do you know what a perfectionist is? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're an imperfectionist. <laughs> and I was like, and I tell you that one, because it is kind of what I do. I talk about authenticity and part of that's being perfect. I also cringe when you start with accolades and like, because I teach these principles of authenticity, like I immediately have to tell you, I was a total actuarial failure in my first career, et cetera, et cetera. So I just have to get that out of the way because it's how I operate. Yeah, so I started at Na, which is a large healthcare health plan. Now owned by CBS and sort of accidentally got there in the actuarial program, spent three years taking actuarial exams, failed every single one of them. But the good news is it was a great company, it was a big company. And, and much like a lot of your listeners, you know, I was able to sort of bob and weave my way through some opportunities, take on things I was highly unqualified to do. But never once did I, you know, I had this career path like, I want to be an executive or I want to be a CEO. You know, I was a small town girl, Northern Michigan, you know, got good grades, but didn't know really much about. You know, running a company. But I did find myself at one of the subsidiary companies that they had acquired, not found myself. I strategically went there and was just lucky enough over the years, every time somebody would leave, they basically were like, look to their left and right and be like, well, I guess we should give it to Aaron. And that happened all the way up till you know, I took on the CEO position and I led a company, I was about a thousand people and we're kind of in the dumps you know financials had been flat for years we were quite frankly kind of the laughing stock of the company it was a it was an acquisition gone bad a typical like let's bring in this great new sexy company and then give them you know no money and resources to do what they need to do to be successful and i took over in 2016 and i'm just really proud to say that in 3 years we took those flat earnings that we had been having and we tripled them and our employee engagement went up 12 percentage points. Like we became kind of the darling actually of the parent company. And as I was having success, I also would often think, I wonder what I'm going to be found out. Mm. It wasn't, AJ, it wasn't your typical like imposter syndrome. Like I understood you kind of had to lean in a little further than you were comfortable. I understood that, you know, I felt like I had the intellectual chops. I had the relationships. Like. But it was more that I felt like I wasn't sacrificing as much as my peers. You know, my other colleagues were traveling every week for, you know, client meetings. They were giving up vacations. They were, you know, I had one friend that moved her family like three times in like six years to sort of climb the ladder. And I thought... I don't know how long my luck's going to run out with having this much success and not sacrificing as much as everybody else. And so then you know, I led the company for three years, decided I really was craving exponential growth that I couldn't find there. And I didn't think I would find it in the corporate world. And what happened was when I announced my retirement, like 75% of the messages and the conversations said the same thing. They said, we're going to miss your authentic leadership. And It's not that I was surprised, like, ooh, who me, authentic, like it's, but I hadn't really been pinned with that badge before. And after all those messages, it was like, there was this moment where I was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be found out. Mm. I've been actually playing a different game than everybody else. And I started to realize that I had subconsciously, but pretty purposely used authenticities. And now what I actually have figured out how to teach, but I had used them to gain the best talent, to negotiate deals, to stand out to the executives, you know, going to quarterly business reviews and everybody else was like giving the propaganda. And I was telling a story or I was telling them where we were, you know, poop in the bag and it really gained trust and stood out. And so after stumbling my retirement, I went and did kind of something else. I quote unquote, started a software company, which I didn't really build anything. And, you know, I think this is really important. I had thought about doing the career and leadership space. I think this is actually really, really important for your audience. One of the buckets I considered was this career leadership space that I'm in because I knew I had a lot to give and that I would do well, but I didn't want to do it. And here's why, because in my head, there were thousands of them. And they were sort of a dime a dozen, right? And this is before I had heard of the concept of personal branding and doing doing it differently. And so I actually avoided it until, you know, I started writing blogs. I would sit at hockey practice and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to say. And I no longer have like lawyers. who won't let me say stuff. And I was like <laughs> puking out. Like I remember having a Word document, AJ, and I, I never considered myself a writer. I was a math major. Not a very good one, but a math major. I had 30 some pages of written blogs, just sitting up in like the metal benches at the hockey team. And two things happened. One, which I preach to people all the time. It's like this lesson I keep learning, but I also want other people to learn. You shouldn't not do something because you hate the way it was done before. Instead, do it your own way. And so one, I was like, what do I hate about the career and leadership space? Well, it's stuffy. It's boring. It's a bunch of HR people. It's blah, 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 blah. And then I also listened to a podcast and it wasn't you guys yet, which I can tell about then hearing you guys and why it mattered so much more. I heard a podcast. You remember the guy that has a podcast called like youpreneur, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Nice guy, but he's a little bit like much a British guy. Somehow I stumbled upon it and AJ was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Like, I didn't ever realize that, right, this concept, and you guys say it now a lot, you know, coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors, that there was a mechanism, that there was an industry, you know, all I had seen were these career leadership that were doing it the old-fashioned way, like, go out and sell things, and they didn't have a brand, right, and they, they weren't speaking, and And so when I realized that one, there was what you guys teach, that is so me, I love to speak. I love to do like the big things. I love the concept of personal branding and that I had also this message that to me and what you said at the beginning is so right. Like I speak mostly to corporations, but I'm telling you authenticity always wins. And I'm learning that as an entrepreneur, right? Like the same things I did successfully as a, you know, a corporate nine to five executive Are working here. And when I finally realized too, that it was teachable and that it was, you know, authenticity isn't this permission. It's actually a power. It's like something that can help you. It's not just like I was going to give people permission to have a better career. When I combined those two, that's when everything ignited and I got started on my path.
1: Oh, that's so good. And you said something in there. It's like authenticity is not a permission. It's a power. And I love that. And I want to go back to two things that you said that you kind of skimmed over, but it's interesting because prior to our call today, I was in my EO forum meeting. And so I'm a part of the entrepreneurs organization here in Nashville. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, you get paired in like these little small group forums. So there's a group of seven of us, I guess eight of us, including me. And we meet every single month for, you know, three to four hours talking about our businesses, helping each other grow. And it was really fascinating that a lot of the discussion that my EO forum has had, a lot of it by me, is, you know, trying to figure out like why is there such this culture of hustle and sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it that, you know, in America and probably in many places all over the world, but I live here so I can speak to this more honestly and authentically, is the more you sacrifice, somehow the more successful you are, right? The more you hustle and grind and have no personal life and no family life, like the more quote unquote successful you are. And I heard you say that like, and then it's like, and if you don't, you feel guilty, right? And it's uh, it's interesting. It's like, I think about myself I'm about to go on a like a very intentional 10-day vacation with my kids and my husband. And like what I asked my EO group to hold me accountable to is no work. Mm. And at the same time, I know that the reason I'm asking for accountability is because that's going to be freaking hard for me. Because if I'm not, I feel like, there's shame and guilt tied to it. It's like, oh gosh, my employees are working. I should be. And it's like, if I'm not working, like where's my worth? And like, what if I'm not valuable to the organization in 10 days, God forbid. And so I would love to hear from you both on the corporate side and now on the other side, looking at the corporate side,
2: where does that come from? Why is it there? And how do we eradicate it? It's addiction. You know, I think Shonda Rhimes, if you've ever seen her TED Talk, you remember the, the year of Yes.
1: I haven't seen her TED talk, but I love Oh my her.
2: gosh. Yes. Glad to item. Okay. Yeah. She, okay. So she talks about the hum and it's very alliterative. It's a beautiful, I mean, Shonda Rhymes powerhouse, right? But she talks about the hum and getting addicted to the hum and it's the hum and the hum, right? You get, in, and I think it's really an addiction. And what I always tell people when I talk about authenticity, and part of this is, you know, I'm not a very disciplined person. You know, don't tell Rory, like, I'm not a take the stairs <laughs> kind of person. I just, That's not how, you know, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I'm a creative. Mm. But what I've found is the nice part is that when we teach an authenticity and to get to your point about like, why are we like that? I always tell people I don't change people. I change their addiction
1: Mm.
2: and there's a detox period, right? And so in your example, change of addiction would be, okay, you're feeling like, okay, this anxiety, like I should be doing more. My team is, is working and I'm not. And if you start to experiment with, for example, you know, authenticity, one of my principles is model, no better place to use the model principle than to go on vacation and model what you want for your employees. So many leaders will be like, take your vacation, and then they're like, hypocrites, they'll go and then they'll work. And what do you think the employees, what message do they get? They don't listen. They don't listen to you. They watch you. And so a new addiction might be, you take this 10 day, you break free. Mm -hmm. And you start to just, I want you just to observe what you see from your team. For example, somebody that normally doesn't get to do something because usually you handle it and they step up and do it and you see like the pride in their face or somebody that follows in your footsteps and says, oh, I noticed you weren't checking in. I also didn't check in. I so needed. I didn't realize how burnt out I was. And so now, you know, instead of being addicted to that, like, I want you to start to get addicted to this new thing, which is leadership, (laughs) which is self-care. And the benefits that come with that, which you know, I firmly believe eventually and not long will be even more than if you were to grind it out.
1: Mm, That's so good. But yeah, I mean there's so much of that I totally agree. There's an addiction to it and a really unhealthy one at that. And then the second thing kind of leading into this, you said, I'm learning that I can teach authenticity. So before we get to the study, which I am super intrigued about, and I think it is really interesting and compelling because I think it's lacking. I think people Mm -hmm. struggle with this a lot for a lot of different reasons. I want you to define authenticity Mm -hmm. to you. Well,
2: so the way I define it is it's about exposing who you are when people least expect it. And so what happened, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go teach it. And then I was like, oh crap. Like How do you teach something that's so inherently personal and such, you know, sort of fluffy unicorn doo-doo? Like, how can I teach that? But I knew, I'm like, wait, I didn't walk into work like I would walk into if I went to your house for a pool party, right? Like I knew there was something more nuanced about me and about the people that I consider authentic as well. And actually the first spark was good old Google, good old Google. Like, what's the root word? And the root word is authenticos, a Greek word. And authenticos means to be genuine, but it also means to be original and authoritative. So when I saw that, I was like, yes, like authenticity is this more nuanced definition. So actually when I teach what authenticity is, the first thing I do actually is deprogram what it's not. So authenticity is not simply being yourself. I know that might be depressing. I know that might take a little exorcism, but it's not the same as being yourself. And it's also not transparency. It's not synonymous. People always ask me like, but Aaron, is there ever a risk of being too authentic? And I'm like, no, but there's a risk of being too transparent. They're not the same word. They're not the same word at all. And so the most important thing I teach people too, is that authenticity done right in business, in work is actually not about you. It's about creating connection, building trust, intrigue by being, you know, exposing things of yourself, being more vulnerable, being more humble, using the principles, telling stories, things that you do, not because it feels better for you, but because it feels better for the connection that you create with people. You know, for example, you know, my first principle, I teach humility, not as like some Mm -hmm. fluffy adjective, but like purposely use humility. Like I mentioned, like, I have to tell you, I was a complete failure in my first career. And the reason you do that is because what happens, then you're like, oh, she's just like me. Like I failed at, you know, chemistry class or, you know, or you also think like, okay, she did not need to tell me that. So I'm guessing she's not hiding anything else. Like if she would just go and tell me that, you know, she spilt stuff all over her shirt, you know, two minutes ago or whatever it is. And so if you can think about authenticity, not about you, but doing those things that kind of buck the norm that, you know, show a little bit of who you are to benefit somebody else. The reality is what happens, it comes right back to you, right? So it's, it's not selflessness completely, but if you think first about how you do it for others, then the rewards come back to you almost immediately. So that's kind of how I define it. And then, you know, this company I work with called Brand Builders Group taught me how to put some more definition and structure and framework around it, which I have as well.
0: (laughs)
1: Talk to you soon. Well, you know, what's interesting is hearing that definition and hearing that earlier, you said you've been struggled from not maybe what... With- Most people would identify as imposter syndrome, but a form of imposter syndrome. And you and I have had those conversations before of you not wanting to feel like an imposter. And it's interesting because I feel like most people who self-identify with imposter syndrome, it's probably also much of it stems from being around a whole bunch of people who are not being authentic. We're trying to live up to the image of something that is not real. Right. It's like I, tell, I had to I did this like a couple of years ago, it's like five years ago now, maybe. But I went through my Instagram and I unfollowed every single person that made me feel bad about yeah. people. and not because they were doing anything it was my <laughs> own insecurities. Right. But it's like if they didn't do anything. But it was like, man, if I can tell that you've airbrushed your photos, it's like yeah. I'm trying to live up to something that I will never be able to live up to because we're human. And no human looks like that, right? That is yeah. an animated version of human reality. And I was like, my gosh, I'm like comparing myself to something that's not actually real. Yeah. And that happens all the time, right? Unintentionally, accidentally, or not. But it's like look at people's, you know, picture perfect snapshots in a moment. But what's missing is the real crazy chaos that is life. And that I think that's what makes us feel like imposters is we look around and be like, Everyone else has
2: it together. I must not belong here. Yep. And we all have this disease that thinks we're the only ones that want it. It's so funny because I I do corporate workshops all the time, a lot of them with executives. And they're sort of like, well, yeah, I want it. But I did my town hall the normal way because I assumed everybody else wanted the normal structure and the da-da-da-da. And what I say is authenticity in business and work is sort of like, and you know this, you're in the thick of this, you know, when you take the boys to a birthday party, one of those birthday parties where like might, they might do the bouncy house and then they, you know, they all go do the pizza and then they do the cake, right? And you're, you know, the parents are standing around the perimeter and they get done with the, the serving the kids, the cake who just like grab it and ask for another piece. And, and then they come around and they ask the parents, would you like a piece? Now, what do most parents say? Oh, no, good.
1: I'm good. Thank you.
2: What are most parents thinking? Yeah, I want some cake. I want a piece of the darn cake, and that's what <laughs> that's what authenticity is. Like everybody wants the cake, and as soon as you know, it's it's funny. I just did a podcast interview with another brand builder this week, and I mentioned it's not a permission; it's a power. Meaning, it's not just this passive thing. It's like a power to help you. But we had a great conversation, and he really noticed that. Oh, but it is a power for other people,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: that's what it is. So when you take that cake or when you, you know, show your messy room on, you know, Instagram or when you do something authentically, it is, it's a permission actually for the other people who have been sitting there wanting the damn cake the whole time, but too afraid to ask. And the reality is we're all living in this world. And I have millions of stories of, you know, senior level big grumpy executives who when authenticity was used, it unlocked it for them. And yeah, all it takes is one of us, you know, I say authenticity is contagious since we all want it. You just, the more you do it, the more others will follow and we'll all be in a better place. Oh my gosh. That's That's my kumbaya moment. Oh, But it's so true.
1: It's true. I think we're all in search and desire of a little bit more of that in our lives right now and probably always, but I feel like there's definitely an era. There's an aura, right? Around at least in my circle of going, I need that. Mm -hmm. I want that. And I didn't notice that five years ago. Maybe it's me, right? Maybe it's like, I'm just more in tune to it today than I was before Mm -hmm. because it's more important to me. But I do notice there's this more trend of, man, it's like, you know, and I think this is a great transition to your study. And what I don't agree with, there's just great resignation. I do agree with there is a great reevaluation. And I think a lot of that has to do with everyone having a chance to step back and go, what am I doing? And why am I doing it? And do I want to moving forward? Yeah, A lot of it has to do with who, not just what. And so I want to know, like, why did you go the research route? And then what did you find in this national research study when it comes to authenticity?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I went the research route for a few reasons. One, quite frankly, I always want to be standing out and, you know, I'm so glad I wrote my book. I love my book. People love my book. Everybody writes a book. So part of it was just strategic. Like not everybody does research, right? Let me do something that stands out. But I'd say just as much, if not more than that, what I talk about is so impactful to people, but it can feel so much like fluffy unicorn doo-doo, right? (laughs) And, and nobody had really, you know, quantified it. A lot of the you know, articles out there, somebody on my team, she's like, oh my God, I just found an article and they quoted a study from like 2005, you know, there was really nothing like it out there. And I had pieced together and, you know, in my keynotes and things, I'd pieced together different studies, right. Line of sight towards this data showed this, this data showed this, and therefore, right. Authenticity actually will get you more money is essentially the story, but nobody had done that. And yeah, I mean, I, I laugh because, you know what I talk about now, I'm like, for three years, I've been obsessed with authenticity, but I've you know largely been making this stuff up. And now i'm not I'm no longer making it up. Like and our research findings even blew my mind in the correlation to some, you know, critical things like employer retention, trust, and many other factors. So I'm so excited that it's out there.
1: Yeah, I think it's really powerful. Like one of the things that i I get counter kind of like to what you said, and it's the same reason we did research. Right on personal branding, it's like, man, we think all of this, but is it right? Is it true? And I think a lot of it isn't like, wouldn't have mattered to us because it's like, what we still believe is still what we believe. But it was also just really amazing to go, we're not the only ones, but then to also be pleasantly surprised about where we were potentially wrong or different. Right. Maybe wrong isn't the right word, but it was like, it helped shape our perspective even on what we did and going, Yeah. Like I do see that alternative and it allowed us to go really deep in an area that wasn't even in our purview before. It's like, I love data. I'm such a nerd. Like this is like such my thing. Like that's probably what one thing that people don't know about me is like, I'm a real nerd. Like I love data. I love spreadsheets. I love geeky things. My husband always says, that's why you love me. And I'm like, yes, that's why I love you. I love nerds. It's like nerds are the better for me. And so I want to know, it's like, If you had to like pick out, like what were like the two or three biggest moments, ah aha's, whatever it was, like what were some of the biggest things that came out of the study that you feel like I don't care who you are, you need to know this.
2: Yeah, I would put them in a couple categories. The first is there are a couple where the magnitude of confirming our theory or our thesis kind of blew our mind and those were a couple of them you know you talk about the great resignation but let's just call it talent retention which when I do corporate workshops I always start especially with the executives you know what's the number one issue you're facing because I want them to know we're solving issues we're not there doing fluff and it's retention retention acquisition talent 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 you know and what was interesting so I'll tell you what we found. so we asked one question simple question how much is authenticity practiced in your organization? And on that question, we did a Likert scale. So, you know, you know, five scale, Likert scale. And then like 10 questions later, we simply asked them, do you think you'll be working for your employer two years from now? And then we pieced together those two questions. And we found that the people that scored the top of the Likert scale, like it's always practice, authenticity, so they have authentic culture, were 92% likely to still be at their employer two years ago, and it literally drew a line like this, mm-hmm. like 84%, 72%, 60 some percent, and then not practice at all. It was 40%. So the correlation between an authentic company culture and employee retention was you know, just perfect and magnified. Another one that the magnitude was crazy. We asked people, is your leader authentic? Yes or no? Just a simple question. Yes or no? And then again, like eight questions later, we asked, if your leader were to leave the organization, would you follow them? And people that said yes to the first question that their leader was authentic were four times more likely to follow them if they went somewhere else, 400%. And we found that correlation with trust. We also asked about the authenticity, the authentic culture. And then we looked at a statement that said, do you agree with this? There's a high level of trust in our organization. And we found those with, you know, the highest authentic culture, it was like it was also a four times magnitude of trust. So we saw, you know, basically our thesis was blown away in terms of the numbers. And then on the other category, I would say the surprising things, right, the things that we sort of didn't expect. A couple of things really stood out. One, were around executives. So many people, right, have this myth. It's like, yeah, I want to do authenticity or I want an authentic culture, but, right, the guy, you know, those dudes at the top, the people, you know, the executives at the top, they're not authentic. And it was interesting when we asked, for example, that simple question, is your leader authentic or not? When we looked at the three different job types, so we basically said, are you an executive leader? Are you an an executive manager or something like that? a non-executive manager, or a non-manager. So those three categories. And the people that said yes the most, that their manager was authentic, were the executives. And why that's so important is that the people at the top are actually, as they're hanging out, they're having their one-on-ones, they're having their meetings, they're super authentic, right? They have these great relationships. But then as they face out to the organization, whether it's through town halls, you know, Uh part of the devil is the corporate comm team, (laughs) it <laughs> takes all their words and makes them into buzzwords and so then people have this perception right because yes. they have their scripts written for them they have their handlers they you know they might feel like you know they have to polish up or people won't have confidence in them and the reality is the executives are seeing their own bosses as the most authentic in the company so that was interesting and another surprising one was that i was really curious about a sensitive topic which is around black and other people of color, you know, this question, yeah, but can they be authentic, right? Like there's this, you know, feeling that it's harder for them or it's not as easy. And actually our data found that it was pretty much flat. And there were a few places where there was not much of a statistical difference, but we found almost all of the questions, like, do you feel you can be authentic at work? How important is authenticity at work? et cetera, et cetera. It was about the same. And then the last thing around diversity we found, we asked a question, if you're looking for a new job, which of these factors are most important? And we gave them eight factors. And the top two were pay and benefits, of course, and then flexibility, which makes a lot of sense. The next two were authentic culture and authentic leader. And then what's most important is what was below those. Below authenticity, quite significantly was the company has values that I believe in, which we talk all the time about, right? Especially like the millennials and Gen Z, they want to work for a company that has the same value. That was actually lower. Getting the experience I need to build my resume, you know, basically was below that. And then diversity of the company was actually last. Hmm. And what I say about that is it's not that diversity doesn't matter, but it's a great point that diversity is all for naught. Like if you check all the boxes, right, and you have all the percentages and numbers, if people can't be themselves. That's right. And so, you know, really authenticity in the terms of diversity, it's the trump card. And so that was pretty interesting to see as well.
1: Yeah, I think that speaks a lot to it's like, are you checking the diversity button versus <laughs> is this an authentic, real part of our culture? Right. And it's like, you know, even as a woman, it's like, am I on this board because I'm checking your female card or is it because you genuinely want me here? And it's like, I question that all the time. It's like, I don't want to be your checkbox. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm -mm. You know, and I think that's true. And, you know, it's, I think one of the things that's really amazing. So you said something that I, you know, I kind of jotted down that I think is really important. It's why do you think it is people can be more authentic, potentially one-on-one, but then as we, you know, go out to present the larger group, it's like, we put on this like professional facade and it's like, okay, now I have to be this leader, executive, manager, entrepreneur, owner, where it's like one-on-one, like now you're just a human. And then all of a sudden you put on this like whole new persona, which isn't authentic at all, but yet that's how you present yourself
2: to the masses. Like, did that come into play in any of this? Well, so, you know, not in the research, but what I would say it's because people have for decades and decades, watched people not take the cake Yeah, at the birthday party. And they've been so programmed that nobody wants the cake or it's not cool to take the cake. And, you know, we just emulate what we see in front of us. It's the same thing our kids do, right? They emulate what we do. Same thing in business. Like I always joke, like, some dude in 1965 was really successful being stuffy and like <laughs> having a process and people started to replicate it. Right. And it just regenerated. And then, you know, 30, 40 years later, we're like, oh crap, maybe that wasn't the right formula, but it's about emulation. Cause I know this because part of the reason I was able to start my experiments and get addicted and have that different game, that different path is because I had a father that I watched every day come home and tell stories. He was a teacher, and then he retired and sold real estate. And he would tell story after story, basically, of how how incredibly authentic he was as a teacher and the funny things he did do with the kids and the way he would discipline through a totally different manner. And so I got to see, right, I saw somebody eating the cake. And then I was also very lucky. One of my first bosses that took a big risk on me She was the leader of our international division, and she also demonstrated this authenticity. And again, it wasn't just a permission because I didn't just see her do it, but I saw her results. I ran her strategic planning. I knew our numbers. Every year we were growing the business. And so I got to tie together both the permission to be like that, but also that it created success. And that's why I'm out doing what I'm doing and trying to find as many people right to plant the seed because it's simply that we have to start seeing something different to emulate that is not only more relieving and more fun, but you also are like, holy crap, look at the results they got. And I think you're starting to, you know, it's so funny in the entrepreneurial to, you know, kind of go to the entrepreneurial side of the house. You know, I listen, I consume tons of stuff, right. And part of brand builders, I listen to podcasts. And so often I'll hear people go, "Oh, like, oh, this is such an interesting trend that I see. And they don't call it authentic. And I sort of laugh and I'm like, it's authenticity. That's why it's working right? It's, you know, and people call it different things, but you're seeing it all the time in the entrepreneurial world. You're seeing it, LinkedIn, a huge trend. You know, I just listened to an episode of him, the LinkedIn guy that's part of NSA. And he was like, yeah, he's like stock photos and curated, basically Canva pics don't do well. It's the natural pictures. I was like, authenticity, you know, so I'll hear things and I'm like <laughs> authenticity. I'm like, It works. It's just about being aware of it, doing that experiment, collecting your own data for a data geek like you. It literally is like collect the data to be like, hmm, they open that email. Hmm, they listen to me when they normally are like distracted. Hmm, we sold more of this when we did this. And then going, huh, maybe if I do more than that, I'll get better results.
1: This is so good. I could literally talk about this for like three hours because I do think it's something that we all so desperately need. And to me, it doesn't matter if you, again, I said this earlier, a manager or an owner, an executive, it's like an employee, a you know, part-time direct sales person, a retail shop employee. It does not matter. It's like this impacts all of us. Like no matter what your role is, no matter what you're doing, a parent, a teacher, it doesn't matter, a friend, a spouse, like the (laughs) list goes on and on. Like this is not just for the workplace. This is just for, you know, the human place. And I love this so much because I do think that the more this happens, the more it's like, and I love what you said too, it's not just about being you, it's exposing who you are when people least expect it. And that does come from a place of humility and vulnerability, but also power and courage and bravery. Those things are not separate of each other, they're tied together. So if people wanna get this study, where should they go? Where should they go to download this study?
2: Yeah, you can go to beauthenticinc.com. It's just the letter B, authenticinc.com forward slash research. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, Go to the show notes. I'm sure it'll be in there. Show
1: notes, but com forward slash research. And yes, we will put it in the show notes. And if Aaron, if people want to just connect with you to connect with your more authentic self all over online, where should they connect with you?
2: Yeah. I mean, you can go to my website and just check out all the things, but where I'm most active is LinkedIn. I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. I am the only Aaron Hatsikostas in the world. So if you can spell it, you can find me.
1: Wow. That's so funny because I've been saying Aaron
2: Erin Hatsikostas. Oh, oh, that's actually... That's actually even better, You're giving it the Mediterranean flair. I'm giving it the American. <laughs> like, you want to try to spell it?
1: Like, I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, you got it. I was like, Rory always tells me that he's like, they like, I don't know what you hear, but you don't hear the real words. You just make up, words <laughs> and he's like, oh. make up like all the words to songs. He goes, "These are not the words." And I'm like, "You're not." He goes, "I don't know what you hear, but it's not." what it is. Thank you so much for coming on. I love this. Thank you for bringing this topic to the table and also bringing it in a way of like, how do we use this to better communication, better our leadership, just better our relationships, right? It's just like the more that you can be authentic, right? It's like, it has this domino effect of positivity and impact no matter where you go. And yes, that will lead to bigger, better jobs and more pay and stronger relationships and all the things. And thank you for bringing it to the table, but also in a light of like, how do we take this and apply it and see it in a different way where it's not like you do you boo, but it's in a <laughs> like, Hey, like there is power in this. And this is how you do it. I love this. I love you. Y'all, go check out this study. Go follow Erin. Go connect with her on LinkedIn. And then make sure you come back here next time on the Influential Personal Brand. We'll see you later.
0: podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com and we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.